to all of you. On this Mother's Day, uh, we're going to continue our series at the end of the day, and uh, we're drawing kind of near the end of that. I'm excited about Prosper sharing with us next Sunday um, and uh, talking about the end of things, really, at the end of the day. Uh, but today we want to talk about some things that I think will help a lot of moms and dads, and really all of us can take this to heart. Uh, it might even be the most important lesson of the whole series. And the lesson today is at the end of the day, your kids need to love God and their fellow man. So I want to ask you moms, what is the most important lesson you can teach your children? Do you know the absolute most important lesson? Well, I kind of gave it away. I already told you. I want you to think about that for a minute. To love God and to love their fellow man, is that really the most important thing? What is the most important lesson you can teach your children? Is it some skill that they need to have in life? Uh, is it maybe doing something or making something and you want them to know how to do this? Is it teaching them to live in, in like basic morality, always choosing to do the right thing? And I want my kids to know the difference between right and wrong and, and how to make good choices. Perhaps it's to be at peace with themselves because your own heart has been troubled and you want to avoid that. Or, or maybe to be at peace with other people. Mothers and fathers teach many things to their children. But what are the most important lessons that they need to learn? The fact is, you know, we spend unbelievable amounts of time training our children, teaching them many things, how to brush your teeth, how to bathe and dress themselves, how to tie their shoes, how to feed themselves, how to ride a tricycle, and we have to teach them how to ride a bicycle, and we teach them how to cross the street safely, how to use money wisely, how to drive a car, God forbid, how to protect themselves, how to uh, make sure that strangers don't take advantage of them, how to find a job, how to keep a job, etc., etc., etc. You just go on. The, the lessons never end. In fact, if you're an older mom or dad today like we are, well, at least I'm old, not Jane, but um, if you're an older mom or dad, are you still trying to teach your kids things? Does it ever stop? No. So listen to some of these older people. This is not going to stop. You don't you know, check out of their lives once they turn 19 or something. You're still going to be teaching all the way through your life. Now think about that. Think about that. It's never a point that you say, okay, my job is finished here. You know, I'm, I'm away from here. My mom taught me a lot of things. I got to think about that this week. I got thinking some of the things she taught. Some of them were the standard things, you know, like I've already mentioned. But there are other things that some of you got this same thing. You know, this is a standard mom thing. Never leave the house with dirty underwear. <laughs> and, she, and she even had a reason for that. She said, you know, you never know when you're going to be in an accident. And, you know, somebody's going to see your underwear like that. You know, I wanted to say, Mom, that's going to be the least of my worries. If I'm in an accident, I'm not going to be worrying about that. <laughs> but she was worried about it. Maybe she had some experience in her life. I don't know. Uh, or she said, don't, don't go away with holes in your socks. You know, make sure you put on good socks every day. And uh, that seemed about as ridiculous as the underwear one until she took me that day that I wore holes in my socks to get new shoes. So we get out the shoe store. This is back in the day when you actually had somebody wait on you. And they would come out and they'd take your shoes off, you know, and try on the new shoes. And there were my toes sticking out of the ends of my socks. And not only my mom was there, my grandmother had tagged along that day. It was very embarrassing for all of us, but particularly for them. Because, you know, I really didn't care as much as they did about that. Uh, there was this endless concern for my safety that she always had, you know. And so the last two words are always be careful. Anybody have a mom like that? Be careful. 
And I got so fed up with it, I finally complained about it when I was a teenager. I said, Mom, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. So she took to just saying BC. BC. And I knew what that meant. And it shortened everything. The experience went on. You know, moms are persistent. Moms are, are uh, tenacious. Moms are relentless, you know, in teaching us the things that we need to know. What is the greatest lesson you could ever teach your children? I want you to leave here today with this impressed upon you. Jesus has already answered this question. What is the most important commandment? What is the greatest commandment? He said the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love your neighbor as we love ourselves. So how can we teach our children to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves? That's what I want us to think about today. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22. Jesus' earthly ministry is drawing to a conclusion very soon, he's going to be you know, given over to the Romans. He's going to be crucified. But in this last week of his public ministry, before his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus is teaching almost daily in the temple. And he's being confronted by the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and they're giving him a hard time. Matthew tells us in chapter 22 how the Sadducees, the scribes and Pharisees, were trying to trap Jesus in what he said, in his words. They wanted to ruin his reputation among the people. And uh, he, they wanted to get rid of Jesus. Really, they hated Jesus. And, and by the end of the week, they've decided, you know, we'll do whatever it takes to be done with this guy. So let's turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22. And let's go down to verse 34. Hearing of Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these Two commandments. Now, this question, which is the greatest commandment, I think was meant to be a trick question. The lawyer wanted to, to have Jesus single out one commandment greater than the rest so then he could follow on you. You had the follow-up thing. Well, then, how could you say that? How could you say that this law is so much greater than all the others? Because they actually had 613 laws that they had codified and said these are important. How could you possibly... Narrow it down to one. And so Jesus would look bad like, well, why is that better than everything else that God has said? Maybe that was the point he was trying to make. What he didn't take into account was that Jesus knew the correct answer. He knows all the correct answers. It's not, you know, that he doesn't have to say, well, let me think about that for a minute. Jesus knew their answer. And he immediately zeroed in on this answer. Love the Lord your God with all your soul and with all your mind. And by the way, there's a second one that goes with it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So you, you want to see this scene here that's developed. You have antagonism. You have conflict. You have people that are trying to get rid of Jesus and ruin his reputation. And he's being grilled by these people. But they couldn't stop Jesus. He was too wise to fall for their tricks. And as this question is asked, Jesus uh, answers this. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? with a very simple, quick quote, and it comes from something that every child knew. 
Every child, every Jewish child knew this answer. And they uh, quoted this answer over and over again, every morning of every day. Turn with me over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6. Moses was saying in the middle of uh, his discourse with the people of Israel as they're launching as the people of God. He said this, These are the commands, decrees, and laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Here's the heart of it. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of our fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Moses said, impress these commandments upon your children, your grandchildren. In other words, make them known generation after generation. This is not going to change. This is not going to become out of style or out of fashion. These are the things that God have give, has given us. And notice that he says in verses 3 and 4, twice he says, Hear, listen up, hear Israel, hear, O Israel. And the word for hear is the Hebrew word Shema. So that these verses, known to every Jewish child, are called the Shema. For centuries after centuries, every good Jew, has said these words of the Shema at least twice a day. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment, he gave an answer that a child would know. It was the right answer. It was the best answer to give. And these men who thought they were so learned, so wise, so above everyone else, because they had it all figured out, and everybody else was lost, didn't even know this answer. What made it so emphatic in Jesus' reply to the Lord's questions that he added this second foundational commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind or strength. And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And then to drive the point home, he says, all the law, all the prophets hang on these two. you got these two, you've got the rest. If you know this part of it, then you know the whole story. You know how God wants us to live. And I started thinking about that. Are these two really enough? Are they enough for us to live by? Are these the two that if you've got to teach just two lessons to your children, that you want to make sure they get these two? I think Jesus is right. I think everything fits under these, these broad foundational uh, principles and commandments of God. Now look here at the Ten Commandments of God. These are the Ten Commandments that were given. Now, they're a little bit abbreviated in a couple of cases. But we'll look at these, and I want you to think about, do we see loving God and loving our neighbors ourselves right here in this? Read them out loud with me, if you will. If you can read them back there. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. 
Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now the first four commandments, as you see there on the list, all apply to the first law that Jesus gave, the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The last six commandments of the ten tell us how God expects us to respect and honor other people, to show our love for them, because you don't abuse people, you don't uh, hurt people, you don't take advantage of people. And within these ten commands, we see the two greatest commands. Now, what I learned from this is that, you know, we make life too complicated. We throw out all these things that other people say, well, these are all the things. Here's our whole big list of do's and don'ts. And Jesus said, we can really reduce this down to just two things. You know two things, you'll be okay. You follow two things, and you'll be okay. Love God as he deserves to be loved. Love other people the way God loves them. And you're going to be okay. Now, I don't want to draw out our lesson too long today. I know it's Mother's Day, and I know you have lunch plans. So uh, let me make four basic points as quickly as I can. First one's obvious. You've already made it. The best thing you can teach your children is to love God and to love people. And Jesus said that these are these two greatest commandments. There is no commandment of God more important for you to teach your children. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to scratch your head and figure out something else. So do you have a plan, Mom and Dad, a strategy for teaching your children to love God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you don't, get one. Get a plan as fast as you can. Because Jesus said, here's the greatest commandment. Here's the greatest thing you can teach your child. So get a plan for teaching that child. Moses gave a pretty good one in Deuteronomy 6. When you're on the road, talk about it. When you get up in the morning, talk about it. When you go to bed at night, talk about it. Remind your children that this is what... It is about. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is one. Let's honor God. Let's love God. Let's love other people as we love ourselves. At the end of the day, your kids need to love God and other people. Period. Point number two. Love God first. And then love people as God loves people. Now there's an order. Jesus said here's the greatest. And the second goes along with it. There is a first and there is a second. And the first one is to love God. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Tyler Edwards asked this question, do we really love God that way? <laughs> do we really love God with everything we have? To love God, heart, soul, and mind, he says, essentially is to love God with everything you are, everything you have, your breath, your life, your nature, your desires, your understanding, Everything about you must love God. The actions that we take as Christians are not spiritual duties we just carry out. They are the natural fruit of a holistic love for God. When you love God, heart, soul, and mind, it changes the motivation for everything you do, Edward said. You no longer do things because you're supposed to. You do them because you want to. You do not live life as a Christian out of obligation but out of a genuine love for God. And when you love God with all your heart, are then following the commands and living the Christian life just come as natural as breathing. You know, I've discovered in my life the greatest motivation I have, the greatest weapon I have 
for dealing with sin in my life, for living a pure life, is my love for God. It's not my fear of God, although I fear God, I reverence God, I worship God, but the greater motivation is my love for God. Because I want to show my love for God. I want Him to see that in my actions. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will obey what I command. You can't say you love God and then refuse to do what He says. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. God is this jealous God who jealously guards our relationship with Him. And He will not take second place to anyone or anything. So love God first. Love Him with your heart, soul, and mind. And then out of your love for God, because that's first, then this other love can happen. It can be developed. It can grow inside of you. Because this love will be God's love now, not yours, growing up inside of you as a result, as a product of your relationship with Him. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. For God is love. So as you come to know God more and more, and express your love for Him, and learn from His love, then that love starts being shed abroad, taken out to other people, expressed to other people, even people that are hard to love. And God's love is generated in our hearts as we come to know Him better and better. So love God first, then love people as God loves people. This is the entire Bible in a nutshell. If you said, okay, let's take it all, let's reduce it down. Love God and love people. Third point, as you teach your children... Make life, then, about relationships, not about rules. This is the mistake that the Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes had made. They had made life about the rules and regulations. Life was about knowing the 613 things they tried to not disobey. And they thought that they could please God, they could honor God, they could, they could glorify themselves, also, they would admit that, by keeping this law, keeping all of these things. And it's easy, it's real easy to reduce life to a list of do's and don'ts. Parents can make the same problem, can't we? We just have the same mistake. You know, it's about obeying me, following the rules. And there's much more to it than that. Rules are important, but real life isn't about rules. Real life is about relationships. Jesus showed what mattered to him was people, not the rule book. What mattered to him was a person that had failed and was hurting and needed to be lifted up and taught a different way to live, a better way to live. Just as we've been learning in this at the end of the day series, Jesus taught them the same things we've been learning, that people are much more important than possessions, and that grace is more important than our good works, and that our spirits are much more important than our physical bodies. So if we get these things right, at the end of the day, we will be able to honor God, we will love God, and we will love people as we should. As parents and grandparents and perhaps other adults here who influence children, we can make the most important things in life about relationships, not about following the rules. So this is where you've got this three or four-year-old you're trying to teach them just really basic, simple things. And the constant question is what? Why? 
to drive you nuts. You hear that a hundred times a day, maybe more. And you get so tired of hearing it, you no longer want to explain it because you just do what mommy says. Do what daddy says. That, that's what's important here. You do this or there are going to be consequences and you, know, you rattle off what the consequences are. This is where the relationship becomes so much more than the rules because the relationship says it's important for you to understand why. This is not just arbitrary rule. This is just not me as a dictator telling you what to do because I'm bigger and stronger than you. You must obey. This is for me as a parent or as a grandparent or as a friend, an adult friend, say, you know, this is why. This is why we have this rule. This is why this is important. Because this affects people. This affects your relationships with me and with other people. Rules are important. But only if the rules protect relationships with people. And if that is not the case, if it's just some rule, then you're qu your child has every right to say, why? Because <laughs> it's a bad thing, you know. But if there is a, a rule that has a meaning and has a relationship benefit out of it, then it changes everything. So make your uh, teaching, your training of your child about relationships, not about rules. Now, I read this story about a young American uh, lady. She's you know, somewhere around late teens, early adulthood, I don't know the age, who went and visited Mozambique. And I don't know why she was there or what was going on because I just heard this story. Uh, it said that she got there, and somehow she saw in the city she was in the dump, the, the garbage area. And she saw this young woman about her age, maybe a little younger than her, who's very pregnant. And she is, she's struggling, she's hurting, and she was drawn to her. And she went to her, and she found out that this pregnant teenager was in her fourth day of labor. And something was wrong, but she didn't know what to do about it. She couldn't help herself. She's living in the garbage dump. And when she saw this girl's desperate condition, her heart went out to her, and she knew, I've got to do something to help her. You know, it's not my place. You know, it's, it's not my business. I'm not supposed to get involved. I'm not here for this reason. But I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something to help her. And so she ran to a busy street nearby. She hailed a, a cab. She paid the fare for the girl to be taken to the hospital. She rode along. Once they got to the hospital, she got the girl the help she needed to deliver the baby. And she agreed that she would pay the entire hospital bill, whatever it was. And then she exited. She left. She went back the next day to check on this young woman. She found out that the baby had been delivered C-section. The young mother was fine. The baby was doing fine. But without the love of this unlikely stranger, the pregnant girl and her baby could have both died. It was probably even likely that that's where this would have ended for both of them. Here's the kicker. The, the act of love only cost her a few dollars in that place. She didn't care what it cost. She was willing to pay it. But the entire hospital charge, the taxi, all the care was not very much. But you know to that young woman... That was priceless. That was the difference of life and death. And can you imagine, as that young lady got home and told her parents what had happened, how they responded? Now, maybe at first they were shocked. Maybe at first they were a little bit upset with her. Why did you get yourself involved in that? But very quickly realized she was living out the values that they had brought into her life, the values they had taught her.
so that when she got in a situation that was impossible to her, she knew what to do. And she got involved. Life is about relationships, not about rules. Fourth point, teach by example, not just by your words. You know, ask yourself, what kind of lifestyle do I want my kids to have? Most parents, you know, think uh, in, a, in a kind of a worldly way, I want my kids to have more than I ever had. You know, I want to have it better. I want them to have it easier. I want them to go further with their education, uh, maybe than, than I ever got a chance to do. You know, you see this, this continual ramping up, generation after generation. You know, the, the first generation, three generations ago, were immigrants, maybe. And they scraped and they worked three jobs and they could just barely make it. But then they made sure their son or their daughter got an opportunity to get to school and maybe get a high school education and have a better job than they ever had. And then the next generation, they wanted to go to college. And the next one, they wanted to go further with that. And, and so there's this dream and the, the, the housing and the vehicles and the lifestyle all grows a little bit with each generation. And isn't there a point which you say, okay, that's enough, you know. <laughs> Why do we need to go further with this? Isn't this, in fact, kind of a trap? Isn't this, in fact, you know, false? Isn't this the wrong plan? Isn't this an ungodly plan? That we would somehow feel like my kids deserve my, my kids need more. My kids ought to have more. And so I'm encouraged by, by people that, that recognize this. I heard of a, a, a multimillionaire young couple that had young kids. And somebody said, well, how much are you going to put away you know, for your kids, for their education, and, and for their future and everything? Because I hear you're planning on giving away half of your money to help charities. How are you going to do that? What are your kids going to do? And they said, we're not, we're not worried about that. In fact, we've already determined we're not giving them that money. We don't want to make it easy for them. We want them to learn by working hard and having to achieve goals that they've set with us and, and they work on and achieve. We're not going to just give it all to them. It's not a blank check. It's not easy street for them. Part of our training, part of the reason we're giving it to them as parents in training is, is not to just provide everything. This, this would be the worst thing for us to do that for them. So what kind of lifestyle do you want your kids to have? What kind of heart do you want your children to have? What kind of people do you want them to become? What kind of character? What kind of standards do you want them to live by? What kind of love do you want them to be able to exhibit to other people in their lives? Not just people who love them back, but people that are absolute strangers to them, or maybe, maybe even somebody against them and their enemy. The best way you can teach your children to have the right kind of heart is to have that kind of heart yourself, isn't it? You can't just top down say this is what we must do this is how you must live but you live the example the apostle Paul said it this way follow my example as I follow Christ that's 1 Corinthians 11.1 1. and I remember my mom this is Mother's Day I remember her taking care of other people she took really good care of us she provided a lot for us but she never just gave us an extreme amount we always worked for a lot of the stuff we got. And as long as we would work as hard as we could in our education, like paying for college and so on, then mom and dad would kick in everything they could and somehow it all met at the end. Somehow the bills were paid. But if I ever slacked off, you know, it was an easy street. 
I saw my mom reaching out to many different people. I remember when I was a teenager that my my aunt Betty was dying of cancer, and that was about 40 miles away. But she would drive up two nights a week, and she would stay with my aunt overnight, two nights a week, so that my uncle Francis could get some rest, and he could deal with it all. That went on for months. I can remember her driving 30 to 40 miles north of us in Clearwater, Florida, to a nursing home area. We had a friend that had gone there, Virginia, and she would go up and spend one day a week with her. It wasn't easy for her to do that, but, and she never said anything to me about it. She said, I'm going to go be with Virginia today. And I knew what she had done for that lady, because she, she was a crabby old lady. Nobody wanted to be around. She was a difficult person. But she knew my mother loved her. And my mom actually did. I mean, she just went out of her way to serve her. I remember her working on the missions committee at our church and, and giving of hours and hours of her time so that we could have a missions fair and people of the church would come to know what we were doing on the other side of the world and she would write to the missionaries and she would send things to the missionaries and, and she would invest hours upon hours of time in the lives of people halfway around the world because she loved them, she cared about them. And those are the things that were like uppermost in my mind. This is what I learned from my mom. She did it by her example. And so there is this heart in me to do similar things like that for other people. And that, that heart was you know, implanted on me. That was engraved on me by the way my mother, my father, have lived. Through their example, I learned to do the same kinds of things. So there you go. best you can teach your children is to love God and love people. So love God first. And your love for other people will grow. Make life about relationships, not about rules. Don't make that mistake as a mom or dad or as a grandparent. It's not barking out orders. Helping them to see this is how life works. This is how God wants us to live. And then teach not just by your words, but teach by your example. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you would uh, help us on this Mother's Day to remember what is important to you. Jesus said these are the greatest commandments they're the top, the best ever. I pray today that we would, we would love you. And we would show that love by how we live for you, how we obey you, how we serve you. And that love would then grow in us, blossom, so that we could learn to love people like you do. And you would get the praise and the glory for that. Bless each of us today, Father. Bless each mom and dad. Help us uh, to help our kids come to love you better. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord is going to keep making us. Let's stand together and sing about keep making me.